the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. I'm Ed Martin, and it is great to be with you. We have a lot to cover today and a lot happening in the world. It feels like it should be almost the dog days of summer, right? It should be. Um, but it's not. It's not yet. Fourth uh, of July is just around the corner, but still a lot of action happening, including this week. Later this week, there will be a U.S. Supreme Court will hand down its last decisions of the term. I think that will be Thursday. I don't think they're going to do it Friday. In fact, I know it's Thursday. I don't know if it's also Friday, but a uh, big decision on the affirmative action in America. Uh, generally, I think most people think it will be struck down as unconstitutional. It's treating people differently based on a race, not acceptable, especially, I think, in a world world where things have gotten better on that front. In fact, uh, better and better maybe every day. So uh, we'll talk about that uh, when this is a big week uh, going on. We've got a couple things today. One, Derek Evans. Derek Evans, Derek Evans is a survivor. He is a survivor. Now, what's he a survivor of? Well, first, let me tell you, he's a, a star athlete in high school and college. He was a coach, a teacher, a businessman. He went to January 6th and he became the target, the first target of the uh, Department of Justice, weaponized against him, charged with misdemeanors like entering the wrong place, you know, not being in the right uh, unlawful, uh, unlawful presence in a place, misdemeanors, all of it. And for a guy that never had any problems, who had just been elected to the state house, he should have been in the clear. Well, then the DOJ said, wait, let's add a, add a, a felony. Uh, let's call it felony obstruction of official proceeding. Let's let's make that up and apply it here. But it's a felony. Let's scare this guy, young man with four kids under the age of five, I think. And so he'll take a plea deal, which he did. But Derek Evans turned around and said, OK, I'm through that. Whatever you thought of that mistake, quote unquote, I'm through it, and now I'm running for Congress. He's running for Congress down in West Virginia. He is a dude. He is a dude. As John Schlafly called him, he's a winner, and we'll talk with him. Also today, we'll talk with Brian Fay. Brian Fay is over at the, uh, 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 excuse me, the uh, organization that is focused on veterans at CVA, Concerned Veterans of America, and the group is doing a nice job of bringing attention to the fact that today is PTSD Awareness Day, the 27th of June. And so people should be aware of that, very aware of it, and how important it is, uh, a big deal. And um, I think people will be uh, paying attention more when they hear Brian, who himself is a veteran and uh, someone I'm looking forward to uh, hearing uh, from in a few minutes. So uh, those are the things going on in the program in a few minutes. But first, what you need to know, if you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the deal, daily email, the, the wink, it's the wink, what you need to know, wink, W-I-N-K, what you need to know, goes in your email box, goes in your inbox every morning at um, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. Uh, almost 50,000 people are subscribed to that. They get that email every morning. You get a couple of links. You get a couple of uh, of um, stories and you get my insight into what you really need to know, what you need to know. And uh, very good. People say they like them. I enjoy doing them. It's good stuff. Well, this segment is also called that. 
And what you need to know today is uh, there's a new book out. There's a new book out. It's launching on the 27th of June. It's Carrie Lake's book. And I am interviewing her on tomorrow's show. And she is extraordinary. Well, the book is called Unafraid, Unafraid, Just Getting Started. Now, Carrie Lake, I had to look it up. I I, I, had, I was surprised. I, I knew Carrie Lake is not, you know, she's not a kid. She's not a kid, meaning she's had a full career before she ran for governor a few years ago. So she's about 55 years old. I looked it up. She had been a successful, um, uh, been a successful um, uh, broadcaster, you know, newscaster, presenter, they call it. Um, she had been a sort of TV personality, businesswoman, too. And then she ran for office and, and she either won for governor, which is what a lot of us think, or she almost did. Anyway, she's dynamic. She's a great communicator. She's really something to see. And um, her book is Unafraid. And it's great. Just getting started. Perfect title for her published by winning team publishing. And we'll talk with her on tomorrow's program. But here's what I wanted to say. What you need to know is she is a good model for what the modern candidate, modern politician, modern citizen must be. Because when she ran her race, she was fearless. She talked to everybody. She wasn't afraid of her opinions. She wasn't trying to be all things to all people. She was actually very um, forthright about uh, her positions on some things. She's more conservative than on others. She's just a really interesting, interesting woman. But here's the thing. She was totally confident, totally confident and fearless. You know, unafraid is a good title for her. And so here's the thing about her. She is uh, someone who is a model, who is a model for people, because also after she run ran, uh, after she ran and and she ran this fearless campaign, she then, I don't know, didn't win ostensibly on, on Election Day. She came within a few votes and then they stole it or whatever. But here's what she didn't do. She didn't fall for the usual trap. The usual trap is even after a couple of days, you concede and say good luck to everybody. She didn't do that. I, I think she probably said good luck to everybody, but she said, I'm fighting. I'm fighting. I put in the time. I put in the effort. I put in the investment. I put in the uh, uh, the, the connection to the voters. They have something that they see in me. And therefore, I'm fighting. And she fought the election results and she said, check them. They wouldn't check them mostly. Then she went to court and she said, keep checking them. And people will say she's a ba- she's a poor loser. They'll try to say that about her. But the fact is, she's not falling for the trap because what she's saying is anyone who wants to say that about me is not paying attention to how hard I worked, how much I cared, what matters. And it's it's and and here's what happened because she didn't back down because she didn't do what she was told. She's become a leader of a larger movement of people that are that want to make the country better. And you can say, oh, well, you know, I wish everybody would not look backwards. She's not even saying don't look backwards. What she's saying is you can't look forward if you don't figure out what just happened. You can't have confidence if you don't have a sense of what's going on. What happened? I mean, what not what's going on? What happened? Because you can rest assured if the things that you think happened, and maybe they did, can't prove them yet, but if they happened, they're going to happen again if somebody doesn't shine a light on it. So the idea is let's get more transparent, not less. Let's get more accountable, not less. 
And, you know, one of the things in prepping for this interview with her, I noticed her lawyers, the people that helped her in her case, they're being attacked again. We're watching the systematic attacking of the people who help regular citizens get their voices heard. So if you if you raise your voice the wrong way, you'll be canceled. See Tucker Carlson. If you raise your law license the wrong way, you'll be attacked. See Professor Eastman, Jeff Clark, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell. And this leads to only one of two choices. You can either be unafraid and be just getting started, like Carrie Lake says and her book says, or you can step back. And by the way, I'm not saying everyone is called to step forward into the fray, but some people have to be. Some people must be. Some people have to be willing to get out there. Otherwise, they're going to roll over us, we the people, and they're going to roll over us every, every single day in every single way. So it is um, imperative that you see and hear what Carrie Lake is doing and read her book, buy her book and read it and get a sense for what the future can be. Because again, her model and oh, and this is something I'm going to ask her about. She's really a happy warrior. You know, she's really affable and likable and smiling. And she's a very charismatic woman, right? She looks and she's obviously been a, um, a TV star. So she knows how to look and sound right. But she's also happy. She's joyful. She's not a bitter, hateful, angry person. She's not snarling and sneering. She's smiling and laughing. Makes a huge difference. It's the old Phyllis Schlafly uh, lesson that Phyllis used to say. You know, you've got to you've got to be a happy warrior. You've got to make sure you're smiling and bright eyed and looking uh, clean and and uh, looking clear and not just sounding right, not just being true, not just getting it right, but actually looking and sounding upbeat, positive. Because the feminists and the leftists are sneering and ugly and nasty. You can see it. So. It's uh, it's very cool. Carrie Lake, what you need to know is she's one to watch. I don't know whether she is uh, going to be a VP candidate or in the next administration or she's going to run for Senate or she's going to run for governor again. I don't know, but she's going to be something. And more importantly, she is a model. She is a what what you need to know is she's a model for how we can and watch this, how we can fight. Maybe you think she's not succeeding. She didn't win a race. But for her, the success is in leading people. The success is in being a beacon and gathering people together. And she's really good at it. She's really good at it. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, as I mentioned, we will visit uh, two great guests. We're going to talk with uh, our friend um, uh, Brian Fay from the uh, from the Concerned Veterans of America and especially candidate for office, Derek Evans. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So, hey, I mentioned uh, I was up in uh, New Jersey uh, visiting with uh, President Trump. I like to say it like that, but it really was a fundraiser, an event that was hosted on behalf of the Patriot Freedom Project and everything that was going on there. Uh, One of the guys who was a speaker is Derek Evans. Derek Evans uh, is a West Virginia guy, and he is running for Congress in West Virginia's first district. Um, He was elected to the House of Delaware. 
delegates himself. And then the story gets kind of uh, interesting. We'll get it from him. But he spoke at the event uh, and it was extraordinary. And then he had his own uh, visit interaction with uh, President Trump, which in itself was noteworthy and very positive. So uh, welcome, Derek. How are you? I'm great, Ed. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Well, you know, I mentioned to you that our my friend, my colleague, John Schlafly, who watched you speak, he said, that guy, Derek Evans, is a winner. And, you know, I was looking at your biography, Derek, you know, at every level, you know, from you, you, you played, uh, you played uh, uh, college sports, uh, football, you, and, and you also uh, track and uh, in your own high school years. Um, and then you won for office. So you've been a winner. Um, tell me about how that got a little sidetracked and give us that uh, thumbnail uh, sketch and, and to how we get to today. Yeah. So as you said, you know, in 2020, I ran for the West Virginia State House. Uh, I was the first Republican to win my district in 98 years. I won in a landslide victory. Uh, I went to the Capitol on January 6th and uh, I was peaceful, nonviolent, non-destructive. But that didn't matter to these tyrants in D.C. They uh, they came to my house and uh, ripped me away from my wife and my four young children and, and held me hostage as a January 6th political prisoner, all because I was uh, the only elected legislator in the entire country who had the courage to stand up and stand beside of President Trump that day. And um, and that's why they came after me so hard. Derek, um, let me let me get some uh, facts in because it's almost like a movie. You run and win a race that's never been won in November 2020. And there you go. What, when, were you sworn in before January 6th? Yeah. So, um, well, that's uh, that's kind of a gray area. Nobody really I don't think anybody really knows the exact answer to that. So they have the ceremonial swearing in, which I did. Oh, um, but I don't think you officially take office. after that. I went to caucus meetings, all those good things. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll never forget. I was so excited. I worked so hard to win that race and I was so excited and, and came home turned on the TV and, you know, was so excited to see, you know, President Trump winning. And then, you know, things just went downhill from there and it just really put a damper on everything. And, you know, I, I'm not a typical politician. The people here elected me because uh, they knew that I was, uh, you know, going to be their voice and, and more of a patriot, more of a, a statesman, I guess, as you could say, as, as opposed to a politician. And so when I went to the Capitol on January 6th, it wasn't just for myself. It was also for the people who voted me in to, to represent them and be their voice. Uh, our guest is uh, Derek Evans and Evans for uh, WV, West Virginia, Evans for WV.com. You can check him out there. Um, I, and I should have said you uh, you were a teacher as well as a football coach because you've been a football star. Uh, and also then after that, for a while, you were, had started your own business with real estate investment and, and property management. So successful guy. I, I, I remember, Derek, when I first heard you uh, as one of the targets, as you mentioned, of the of the persecutors um, of January 6th, someone said, this guy's a businessman, a successful businessman. And I thought, oh, man, they're going to want to get that guy because they want anything they could do to sort of hang a scalp and then point to it. Um, So you got through that, though, right? Now, were you were you, you did you resign from your you didn't get sworn in or you're close to sworn in? You had to resign that. And then and then um, you got through. Tell us the details of that real quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was unfortunate that, you know, so many of the Rhinos here uh, who who ran on President Trump's name and ran on his back and, and allowed him, you know, President Trump to drag them across the finish line. They threw, you know, not only me under the bus, but they they turned their backs on President Trump as well. And that was very unfortunate to, to see that as a whole, uh, the, the people jumping ship off of that. Um, and so, you know, I, as you said, I had an 18 month legal battle and almost bankrupted my family, uh, spent three months in federal prison. Eight days of that was in solitary confinement because I refused the COVID vaccine. And then I got out in October, spent a little time with my family. And then on January 6th of this year, I thought it was a perfect day to do it. I announced that I was not only going to run for reelection, but now I was going to run for U.S. Congress to take this battle to their front door the same way they brought it to mine. So you're on the ballot for 2024 and running in the first congressional district. Is that right? 
That is correct. Okay, and the and the incumbent is a, a woman named Carol Miller. Has she been in there? She's been in there uh, five or six years or so. And and is she a known quantity? What's this? What is she? Did, I Republican, I suppose, right? Yes, she's a Republican. This is one of the reddest districts in the entire country. It's not only a Republican district. This is a Trump district, and there, there's a big difference. And so mm. this is MAGA country. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate that our representative right now, uh, Congresswoman Carol Miller, she was asked on a radio show a couple weeks ago if she was going to endorse President Trump and, and uh, or you know who she was supporting in the, in the presidential primary. And she refused to endorse President Trump, said she was going to wait and see everybody who was running and uh, didn't want to uh, choose anyone right now. Now, this is a district that, um, so like I said, it's a Trump district. Our representatives should be on the national stage beating the drum for President Trump, beating the drum for MAGA, and defending and promoting President Trump, not turning their back on him the way that she has. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a you know Trump supporter through and through. I don't think it gets any more loyal than a January 6th political prisoner, and uh, I would be happy to represent this district and represent President Trump on the national stage. Am I right to say, it looks to me, I, I never met her, but I mean, what you described and how you talked about her answer, she's been in office uh, since, uh, she ran, I guess, in 2006, uh, and she's been in office all these years, sort of, so she's one of these people that's moving within the party. I mean, if there's ever a moment, uh, you know, uh, that we're in, that's, we can't have the, you know, go along, get along, uh, it, it's now. So that that's what that feels like. I, again, I, it, it, someone like her will say, as you point out, oh, I'm pro-life, okay, well, that's easy, right? I'm I'm pro uh, Second Amendment. That's that's easy. I mean, I, I know there are uh, re- there there are some who are weak on that, but that's easy. The hard one is, you know, Trump. They're trying to take Trump down. They're trying to do election interference. And uh, does I haven't heard her name as standing up for uh, for him or for against what's going on. Well, not, not only that, I mean, she's been completely silent. She dodges the question when she's asked about it. And, you know, I publicly called on her and, and asked her as well as others to, uh, you know, to, to defund the DOJ that's going after President Trump and so many conservatives across the country right now. The weaponization of government is one of the biggest issues facing the future of this country. And uh, I mean, if they're going to if they can go after President Trump, they can go after anyone. And so I would argue that any Republican out there who does not have the courage to stand up and speak out against this weaponized uh, deep state that's attacking President Trump, then they don't have the courage to uh, to represent us in office. Uh, Derek, can can I go back? I'm looking at my notes again and re- refresh my memory. You go to the Capitol on January 6th. Were you with your buddies, with your friends, with your family? No, actually, you know, Ed, look, I wasn't even I was wanting to go. Um, and then I was kind of back and forth and I had so many constituents who, and once again, this is a MAGA country. I had so many constituents who kept reaching out to me and said, what can be done about this? You know, we, you know, once again, they didn't vote for me to be a get along to get along type of representative. They were sick right. of that. They wanted someone who's going to stand up. So, um, I went, I hopped on a bus. There were three buses leaving here in my area to, to DC. And I just, I bought a ticket online and hopped on one of those buses and, and then went out there and, uh, you know, met some people along the way, obviously off the bus, but no, I, I didn't take my family or anything. I just kind of went. And when you get there, you, you got char- you, you went to the you went to the ellipse first and saw some of the Trump speech, and then you walked up to the Capitol. Did you did you did you go in the Capitol? Yeah, so I was on the east side of the building. I uh, uh-huh. never saw any violence or destruction that day. I walked through the East Columbus doors. The, 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 there's that famous video of the guy who goes up and pushes the button on the door and then turns around and points up at the camera, and then the door is open. Those are the doors that I entered. Uh, it's all on video pinned to the top of my social media feeds, Twitter, true social, all those. Um, I walked through an open set of doors, thanked a police officer for his service. He gave me a 
friendly fist bump, welcoming me into the building. I spent less than 10 minutes inside the public rotunda area and then walked back out only, only to find myself in the crosshairs of the same deep state that's going after President Trump. They came to my house, and, and you know, I mentioned that earlier. So, look, uh, President Trump is well aware of this weaponized deep state. I don't think that there's anyone else in the, in the country who's running for Congress or Senate who understands this on a personal level the way that I do because I've been personally affected by it. Right. One real quick, you, did you get charged with all nonviolent crimes plus that obstruction of official proceeding charge? That is correct. I had four misdemeanors, which was like parading and picketing and trespassing. And then uh, then they slapped on that 1512 obstruction of official proceeding, which is uh, quite frankly, just unconstitutional and and hold that over your head. I was facing 24 years in prison at the time. I had I had four kids under the age of five years old. My oldest is seven now. Um, But, yeah, four kids under the age of five uh, facing 24 years in prison and uh uh, you know, I, it's it was just uh, one of the craziest things you could ever imagine. I never thought this would happen in our country, uh, but here we are. And and now they're just ramping it up. They're going after President Trump, and they're going after him because he's the leader leader of uh, of the the free world. I mean, yeah. he, to me, he's he's the the face of all of this. And they think if they can take him out, then everyone else will. will uh, fall in line. Well, and as we mentioned, a lot of these politicians are falling in line. But I'm not going to. I'm going to support President Trump till the end. Well, uh, listen, Derek Evans at Derek Evans underscore WV on social media. I'll put that up. Also, the website uh, is uh, Evans for WV dot com. Hey, thank you, Derek, uh, for hanging in there. We're looking forward to hearing you. If you as John Schlafly said, you're a winner. So from his lips to God's ear and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. Have a great day. All right. You too. Uh, have a great day. Derek Evans. What a star, man. What a star. Uh, incredible. We'll uh, we'll have more from him. I can t- tell you that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I uh, mentioned yesterday that uh, the 27th of June is an important day to highlight such an uh, important issue, and that issue is uh, PTSD and the awareness of it. I have talked previously about my brother, the retired Marine who served in Afghanistan and Iraq and has uh, taught me a lot about how PTSD impacts uh, uh, veterans and how it uh, is a range of impacts. And so being aware of that uh, in this time feels like some of the wars are long time ago, but um, if you are dealing with PTSD in your own life or your families, it is about just about yesterday. So um, it's uh, grateful for the chance to talk uh, about this issue and spend a few moments with uh, Brian Fay. Brian Fay is uh, with Concerned Veterans for America, an organization that uh, CV4A.org, CV4A.org, that is uh, out and about on these issues. Uh, He himself is a military man um, and served for just under a decade. Uh, back in the 2000s into into 20, I guess, 14 or 15. So first of all, welcome, sir. Uh, thank you for the time. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, uh, Brian, first, what's the what's the best way to describe how people don't want to understand PTSD? What I mean by that is we all go through life. We all got ups and downs. But it, it hits veterans differently that especially that have, you know, PTSD and all sorts of forms. I'm not sure people quite get it. Well, um, so uh, speaking from personal experience, I, I think that that PTSD really kind of hits when you stop having that that job to do right when you're when you're in the military and especially, you know, when we were faced with a, a, a 20, the 20 year wars in Afghanistan, um, you, the op tempo, it, it keeps you distracted from the things that you're seeing and the things that you're doing that would 
normally really bother someone. And then when you get out and everything kind of just stops, that all sinks in and it really hits you. And, and, and it's because of that and just that that sudden weight that we have this impact on, on I mean, on myself, I experience it, and on a lot of other veterans speak to that as well, where it just feels like life is over. Uh, they don't know what to do. They get lost. Um, they lose motivation, lose sense of purpose, um, and really honestly have to try and fight to find, you know, their way out of that. Again, we're, again, we're, uh, right now, uh, we're talking uh, with Brian Fay about uh, PTSD and it's PTSD Awareness uh, Day. Um, you know, the, your organization um, launched a, a website, Mission Act, uh, uh, to focus on benefits that are available. The VA, the Veterans Administration, shut their website down. I don't understand this. Uh, again, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always willing to complain about this current administration, but is it as, is it as clear as you're, you, you describe in an email to me that they just shut down that site? What's going on here? Yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's exactly the case. So um, with our sister organization, the foundation, we, we actually had to come in and fill that gap and create the VAMissionAct.com. And and on that, we put all the information that the VA should be having on this website that they that they dismantled. It's access standards, how you can get access to the community care program, when you're supposed to be scheduled for what type of appointment, the drive times, all of those things that veterans have no idea about because the VA is actively blocking their access to that knowledge. We had to come in over top like a lot of good, you know, um, organizations in the private sector do and fix what the government is failing in is um so all right so that website let me say this if you do get into the va system um are there i don't know if it's good enough but are there services there are services available are they sufficient i I, would you say they're the starting point and you got to keep uh you know keep moving i mean we see a lot of the veterans organizations that raise money and all and you sometimes i i shake my head and say do we need that many or because we're missing at the va i thought we strengthened our va i mean what's the status here in terms of especially people that are are either suffering ptsd themselves or dealing with a loved one okay so speaking specifically to when it comes to mental health and getting treatment of the VA, right. right? The the VA has a one size fits all model when it comes to treating PTSD. They're still operating vastly focused on exposure therapy, which is talking through your trauma, um, getting, you know, re- reliving it. So to speak there, they, they have rooms where they pump in smells and you can do VR. This is, you know, something that they're really focused on. Problem is that does not work. For everybody, some that just pushes farther down the rabbit hole. I mean, and, and you know, we really need to be able to have the choice when it comes to mental health care options. And unfortunately, at the VA, that's just not there. You have to now, because of the Mission Act that we helped get passed in 2018, we did get the community care program. And if you are a veteran that has a voice and you advocate well for yourself, you can get access to great mental health and alternative programs outside of the VA. Let me approach the subject that's very difficult and and but very important, and that is uh, the what what is the epidemic of suicide, um, uh, and whether you whether one is diagnosed with PTSD um, before uh, that you know before a suicide uh, either suicide ideation or suicide attempts or God help us suicide it's a it is a problem that is more speci- more 
we're aware of it like we've never been aware before, you know, and uh, if you don't mind, I mean, speak a little bit about the importance of sort of coming at that head on. So I would, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when we say it's, it's a, a pandemic, you know, especially for my generation of veterans, because the, you know, coin operation, uh, enduring freedom operation, Iraqi freedom um, generation of vets, we've already experienced 30,000 veterans that have taken their own lives or post 9-11 veterans, 30,000. That is, that is um, roughly with only 7,000 combat casualties from that time. You can see that we're, we're losing more of the war at home than we did actually fighting it. And that's that it basically averages out to about 17 veterans a day. You know, we used to hear the 22 a day thing, the numbers up, that the VA are reporting, other organizations that has gone down to about 17, but that is still high. I mean, that is incredibly high. And right now, I mean, I, I think we have to continue to do education work when it comes to that. We have to tell the public, hey, veterans are continuing to struggle with this. I mean, that the, the 17 a day is, is a real number. That 30,000 deaths is way too much when it comes to veteran suicide, and we have to start to curb this. And so if you know of a veteran struggling, reach out. If you actually reach out to your veteran friends, your veteran family members, you know, if you hear veterans talking about struggling with access to VA or mental health care, you know, point them in the direction of organizations that can help. You know, you made the comment that there is a ton of veteran organizations out there, maybe maybe too much, maybe just a lost in a river of resources, but you know, there are resources outside the VA that, that veterans can get access to that can help stop and, and, and curb this this veteran suicide. Uh, we're talking again with Brian Fay. Uh, Brian Fay is over at Concerned Veterans for America. Uh, he himself is a veteran. CV4A.org. CV, Concerned Veterans, for the number 4A.org. Uh, go there and check out a lot of resources. Um, last thing, Brian, on a on a day like today, uh, you know, we're trying to raise PTSD awareness. Um you know, is what's the again, what's your your um what what should people maybe you don't have someone in your own life that's facing this, so it may be a good thing to support, uh, but maybe you're around you are are people that are um that are gonna suffer. Are holidays worse? I remember hearing that holidays can be worse for people. Um is that part of it? Is summertime worse where people don't have as much structure sometimes because of school? Or what what's what are some tips? Well, you- well, you know, we do have July 4th coming up. And while that is a day that instills like patriotism across America, it is also a day that's hard for a lot of veterans because of fireworks that does, you know, trigger some veterans out there that struggle with the noise and the random fireworks going off. And that's something that they struggle with their journey. Um, a lot of, I mean, as most of America, when we get closer to the holidays, depression tends to rise in general. So veterans that are already struggling with depression and, and suicide, uh, suicidal ideations, you know, that's going to amplify during that time. So honestly, reaching out to the veterans, the lo- you know, your loved ones that, that served this country during this time is a great thing. Um, if you know of veterans that are struggling in your area with fireworks, being considerate of those veterans doesn't hurt. Um, and, you know, maybe even just talking to them about it beforehand. But like right now, I think the thing that we can point to is that People can get involved in the fight and getting veterans access to better to better mental health care. And right now with CVA, we are we're advocating for a bill that's going to change veterans access, which is the Veterans Health Act. And that's actually going to allow veterans to um, join a pilot, a mental health pilot program that it's going to create outside of the VA, getting them more mental health care options, more tailored to them, how it's going to help them. 
And then we're even taking that a step farther and trying to do the Veterans Health Care Freedom Act, mm. which is going to make a basically veterans have the ability to go into their community and remove the VA from their referral process, giving wow. veterans full yeah. choice. So going okay. to that website that you talked about. Yeah, is, very good. Yeah. Brian, I'm unfortunately, Brian, I'm up against a hard break, so I got to go. Brian Faye, I will put it up on social media links. Uh, I wish I'd gotten him talking earlier. May I have him back? I'll have him back. Thank you. Uh, and be aware today, uh, PTSD Awareness Day. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The indictment of Donald Trump in New York is a politically motivated prosecution. However, it's also an affront to our justice system. But we have a way to move forward. In 1972, in a case called Mitchum v. Foster, the courts struck down a state court proceeding that was threatening to close the doors of a bookstore. The same thing should and could be done to the New York District Attorney's state court prosecution of Donald Trump because it is disrupting his presidential campaign. The decision in that 1972 case has been favorably cited thousands of times since then. In a more recent case in 1984, it was ruled that the federal court could shut down a state court process just as they should do in the Trump case. Federal courts are empowered by these and other decisions to protect presidential candidates against harassment by state officials, which is what's being done to Donald Trump. A presidential candidate must be allowed to devote his complete attention to his campaign without the interference of a county prosecutor. This unprecedented prosecution in New York could further divide red from blue states as conservatives feel strongly that the people, rather than a handful of liberal prosecutors, should be picking our next president. Former President Barack Obama was all too willing to declare in 2016 that in a democracy, you can't threaten to jail your opponents. We fought against those kinds of things. Yet now Obama's Democrats are doing precisely that, threatening to imprison Trump. As patriotism declines in polls and millions of immigrants fail to assimilate into our traditional culture, the glue binding our vast country together may be losing some of its strength. Politically motivated prosecutions will not bring Americans together. This will only drive us further apart. And all Americans lose when we cannot come together with confidence in our most time-honored institutions. For the unity of the American people, for all of us, Politically motivated prosecutions against leading candidates for office cannot be allowed to stand unchallenged. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, I I have an interesting story to tell you. It's really a wonderful story. It's um, uh, educational and and important. So... um, 
Welcome back, by the way, to the Pro-America Report. So I, there I was. I have a friend, a friend of a friend. I'll say it that way. He connected me with a woman named Tiffany Justice. Now, if you follow things closely, you've heard her name because she is the founder of Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty is this grassroots group. She herself served on the Board of Education in her town, in her county. And they started this group, Moms for Liberty, basically saying, hey, we're not going to take it and organizing. And they've been extraordinarily successful. And they, they have a, their big summit, uh, Philadelphia, uh, with uh, President Trump, uh, a part of it. And Tiffany Justice and her colleague, and I and now I'm embarrassed that I have and I had her name in my head, Tina. Um, and uh, I'll figure I'll remember it uh, in a second. But um, the two these two women who were moms said, you know what, we're not going to take it. And they organized things and it's exploded. It's an extraordinary um, organization. Their mission, which I wrote down, Moms for Liberty is dedicated to fighting for the survival of America by unifying, educating and empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. How about that? Uh, and their vision is Americans empowered and thriving in a culture of liberty. So uh, extraordinary. And I, I've known of Tiff- Tiffany Justice by name, uh, Tina Deskovich. That's her name, Tina Deskovich, the co-founder. And so Tiffany, um, we were connected by a friend and then we played phone tag or something. And then we played texting tag. Anyway, we had lunch. Uh, and when we had lunch, the first thing she showed me, said, I want to show you something. She reached through her bag and took out a book. Now, the book is called Child Abuse in the Classroom, and the book was first published 40 years ago in 1984, just under 40 years ago. Child Abuse in the Classroom, it's the tr- official transcript of the proceedings before a committee, uh, a series of committee hearings, actually. They were in Washington State, P- uh, Pennsylvania, Missouri, Arizona, New Hampshire, Florida, and then D.C., and Phyllis Schlafly, back 40 years ago, published Child Abuse in the Classroom was a book, a, a paperback book uh, of almost, uh, I don't know how many pages, almost 450 pages, I think. And it has a foreword from Phyllis, which Tiffany said she reads periodically because it inspires her and gets her fired up. And then it has the transcripts of what was going on and what happened 40 years ago, Child Abuse in the Classroom and how what was happening and what how and how um, the uh, the. Um, uh, federal money that flowed into education was not as as Phyllis says not the solution. It wasn't the solution. It was a part of the problem. A part of the problem in a way because there were too many things happening in the classroom that were so bad. Anyway, the Hatch Amendment. The Hatch Amendment came out of that, which was supposed to protect our parents and our parental rights. So I had this wonderful conversation with Tiffany Justice, who explained to me that this document, uh, this book. Oh, and I should pause and tell you, I think. The book sold paperback copy. I think it sold three million copies. Some extraordinary number of copies. It had it had um, it had I think uh, four or five editions that were published because it was so popular and was selling so many copies because parents were motivated. Now, the interesting question, and this is what I talked to Tiffany Justice quite a bit about, was how do you galvanize the parental concern over parental rights? over what's happening in our schools. And we were sort of questioning, or at least I started the questioning. I said, you know, after the COVID, the pandemic hit, and so many parents were appalled by what they saw in the classrooms, you felt like we'd hit a tipping point and we'd never go back. And we sort of did. We sort of did. But, you know, in a lot of places, parents are still on their heels. They're still uh, having to play defense against 
the powerful interests, whether it's the teachers unions, the superintendents, whatever, whatever however you want to think of the interests in this, in this case uh, that oppose the parents and a lot of parents, I hate to say it. I don't, I don't know this, but my description would be, they had to go back to work. They had to, they got busy. They have their lives so racing around, you know, moving forward. And so I think the moms for Liberty, Liberty, along with other groups has really honed in on the, uh, uh, on the way to organize. And here's one controversial thing I'm going to say. And remember, I head up a, a long time. Uh, one of the, it's the considered the first pro family group started in the seventies. Um, the, you know, the Eagles, philosophically Eagles, Eagle forum. And so I, when I say this, I am being self-critical, the new groups, like Tiffany Justice's group, the new groups that have come forward, that have stepped forward in this way, uh, have had, and I, I should, I want to make sure Tina Deskovich, uh, Tiffany and Tina, the start of this, these new groups have a sort of energy and a focus that is, how to say, refreshing, rejuvenating. It's good for everybody. And in this meeting that I had, I think I was on Tiffany's list. She met with me. She was going to meet with some of the folks at Heritage Foundation. She was she was moving and shaking, and mostly she was shaking. I mean, she was moving to get there, but she was shaking people up. She was saying, hey, how do you see this stuff? How does it fit together? I mentioned at her Philadelphia summit, uh, President Trump is going to be there. And and uh, 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 Tiffany and uh, Tina, they, have, they, they are aware of politics. Their focus is on empowering the parents and especially moms, but they're aware of politics. They're not, they're not, it's not happening in a vacuum. Very impressive. Very impressive. And I'm really grateful that she uh, returned uh, and, and that she was talking about child abuse in the classroom, this work that again, Phyllis Schlafly, it's a transcript of these events, but also it is um, her forward, which is about 25 pages, a little bit less than 25 pages and explains a lot of stuff that's happening. A lot of what's happening and uh, how uh, it is happening, by the way, on the back of the book, the one I'm looking at is a later printing. Thomas Sowell has a quote there about these 1984 hearings because they went around the country and did these hearings. People could come in and talk about what they were seeing, what's happening in their schools. And it was sort of a, a, um, how to say it was a, um, uh, cathartic, but it led to action and it, it was a sympathetic education department at the time so the action could uh could get something done the, uh, the voices lifted and the action could get something done so we need more of that all right uh congratulations uh to tiffany and her team pay attention to them and read that book get the book child abuse in the classroom still available over at phyllisschlafly.com okay everybody we're done let me say thank you to noah dingley our great producer as well as ryan Hyde, associate producer thank you for tuning in we will be back uh, tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.